0: a lot of people tonight, so if I haven't met you yet, please come introduce yourself to me or Frosty after the service. We're the youth and young adults pastors here, or at least until the end of the year, before we step into a new role next year, leading our sixth campus at Papakura. come on. We're so excited. It's gonna be awesome, but I'm really excited to speak to y'all tonight, because we've just been away for too long, and God has been speaking to us, and I'm really excited to share this message, but before we do that, can we just pray? Yeah, let's do that. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for this church, a place that we can all call home. And God, I just would ask that you would take off people's blindfolds tonight, take out those earplugs, take down those walls that people have built up around some hard hearts. And God, I pray that you would speak so clearly to each and every person here tonight. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen, amen. amen. Well, tonight, this is like, Part two of Steve's message this morning, which is super exciting. Because this morning, Steve, if you came out to a morning service, which you should because it's a good time, Steve preached about faith and being positioned for breakthrough. And my message tonight is about faith, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle. In fact, I want to talk about some of that stuff in our lives that holds us back from living God's best. That kind of stuff that we don't always like to talk about that hidden sin that we keep to ourselves and we really don't wanna open up about because we're concealing it out of embarrassment or shame or whatever it may be, and that kind of stuff that starts small, because let's be real, it always starts small, but then it snowballs into something massive to the point where we find ourselves slowly backing away from the people that love us the most, backing away from that small group that once kept us accountable, backing away from church and eventually God because we're too scared of what might happen if people actually found out what we were struggling with. But you need to know this, you are not alone. You're not alone, in fact, A lot of people in this very room might be struggling with the very same thing that you're struggling with, or maybe they've gone through it and they've overcome it and come out the other side, and it's okay to not be okay, but God loves you so much, he's not gonna leave you that way, not because there's something wrong with you, but because he's got better for you, he's got better for you, and that stuff that you don't like to talk about, but maybe you should, that stuff that we keep hidden that keeps us tripping up, tripping up in those dark places, those secret places, that kind of stuff has the power to cripple you if you let it, and so my message for y'all, if you're taking notes, is called stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand, and I want us to start in the book of Mark, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there now, and if you don't have a Bible, Don't stress, you can download one for free on your phone, or you can follow along online. I mean, not online, on the screen. But the book of Mark is one of the 66 books in the Bible. It's in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and I'm starting in chapter three, verse one. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Let's pause real quick. I love this because, first of all, you need to know that the Pharisees are the teachers of religious law, and they don't want him to perform this on the Sabbath day because they said that you shouldn't work on the Sabbath day, you should protect the Sabbath, and so they're waiting to see if Jesus is gonna do something because they're ready to accuse him. Now also, when they say that this man's hand is deformed, it's not like he's just missing a finger or a fingernail, it's withered and shriveled up. In the Greek language, shriveled means atrophied, meaning it's wasted away, it's to the point where it's a lame hand, he can't use it, which means it's prevented him from getting a job where he needs two hands, it's limiting his life. Verse three, Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. And then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. And at this point, I love it because Jesus starts to get angry and Jesus is very capable of getting angry. The same Jesus that loves you, that has grace for you, that will welcome you in with open arms is also known to flip some tables, okay? And Jesus is getting angry at this point because these Pharisees are just waiting to criticize him if he brings healing, straight up healing to this man. Verse five, he looks around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man stretched out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. I love this, right? They've just witnessed a miracle. They've literally witnessed a man's shriveled hand being completely restored in front of their very eyes. And instead of standing there in wonder and in awe of God's healing power, they're like, let's kill the dude, right? They're getting so angry, they wanna put God in a box. But here's the thing, you can't put God in a box. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he can do whatever he wants on whatever day he wants with whomever he chooses, even if the world says they're not worthy. Because God is not only omnipresent and omniscient, he is omnipotent, meaning he is all powerful. You cannot contain him to certain days of the week. Now, I'm not telling you this story just to show you that God can heal or that he will heal you on whatever day he wants. I'm telling you this because I think deep down each of us can actually relate to this man because he had a secret, right? He had this thing in his life that he was embarrassed of that most likely he probably tried to conceal out of embarrassment or shame because people would probably mock him for it. In fact, back in those days, if somebody had a disease or an illness, they would often get isolated for that and so he would probably walk around with it in his pocket. But even in the story, he didn't even, like, they didn't give him a name. They call him the man with the withered hand. That's what he's known for. And so he's probably standing at the back of this room listening to Jesus preach, and Jesus sees straight through him and says, come, stand in front of everyone and stretch out your hand. Now, he could have done what most of us do when people ask if you're doing all right, you know what? Like, if you're having a really bad day, things are not going well, and somebody says, How are you really going? You're like, Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Marriage good, kids good, works good, uni's fine. It's it's fine, right? But are you really fine? Are you really fine? Yeah. Jesus sees straight through it though. Jesus sees straight through it though, and he says, Stretch out your hand. Now he also knows that Jesus knows everything. Because if Jesus is God, he knows everything. So Jesus can see what's going on with the man's hand, whether or not it's in his pocket. And now most people would say, but, but God, like, you know what's going on with my hand. So can you just heal it, like, while it's in my pocket? And then I'll pull it out, like, magic trick. So good. But Jesus calls him out to stand in front of the crowd and to stretch out his hand. Now, why do you think Jesus asked him to hold out his secret? he wanted to see his faith. He wanted to see his faith because it takes faith to stretch out to Jesus the very thing that is your greatest weakness. It takes faith to stretch out to Jesus the very thing that actually needs him the most. But here's the thing, he didn't hesitate He didn't hold back like most of us do and stand at the back of the room. He didn't hesitate. He didn't keep it hidden in his pocket. He didn't say, Nah, Jesus, I'm good. Talk to the next person. I'm I'm good. This is part of who I am. Like, I'm the man with the withered hand. This is like my truth, you know? This is just who I am. You know what the truth is? The truth is the God that created you has got more for you and the God that created you has got better for you, and when you say, well, this is my truth, what you've done is you've settled. You've settled at what is not the best for you. God has got so much more for you, and the truth is the sin that is crippling your life does not define you, and it should not limit you. The truth is God has got more for you, and also faith is not always comfortable. It's not a walk in the park. Faith is not always comfortable, it requires you to stretch out to God the very thing in your life that needs him the most. Now he's not asking you to come and stand in front of everyone today and take the microphone from me and confess all your sins to everybody here. He's not asking you to do that, I'm not asking you to do that. But God is saying, would you come stand in front of me and would you confess your sins to me? Would you take that weakness in your life, that, that crutch in your life, and stretch it out to me because I'm the only one that can really help you? Yeah. God is calling us forward. And I love what Paul tells us in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made But I I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. You know why we lift our hands in worship? We lift our hands because we're reaching out. We're reaching out in desperation. We're reaching out after the ultimate prize and we're saying, God, I've got nothing more to hide. In fact, I can't hide anything from you. You know everything. So I've got nothing to hide. I'm reaching out to you because I know that you are the only one that can truly help me. But I also know that hidden sin can be crippling and it can wreck you from the inside out. Even King David knew. A man that was described as being after God's own heart. Even King David gave into his humanity, into his sinful nature, and messed up big time. He slept with another man's wife, and then got the man killed. Like, that's bad, y'all. Like, he messed up. And he wrote in Psalm 32, verse three and four, afterwards he said, when I refuse to confess my sin, My body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me, and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. See, even King David knew that hidden sin, when it stays hidden, it can eat away at you. From the inside out, see, it's kinda like a cancer. It starts small, like a tumor, but when it's not attended to, it grows bigger and bigger to the point where it affects your entire being. And I don't know if you've seen somebody battle cancer, but it's not pretty, it's ugly. In fact, my uncle battled brain cancer and in his final months when I got to see him, when I walked into that hospital room and I looked at my uncle lying there in that bed, I didn't see my uncle. I saw what cancer did to him. I saw what cancer did to him to make him almost unrecognizable. And when we have hidden sin in our lives, it can be like a cancer of the heart. It can make us do things that make us unrecognizable to family and friends, and even to ourselves. It can make us unrecognizable. They warned us about this in Jeremiah 17:9. said the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Who really knows how bad it is? So I don't know what you're fighting right now, but chances are you're fighting something because we're human. Chances are you're going through something because you're human, and what is it in your life that is deceiving you into believing that you are living God's best for your life? What is it in your life that you actually need to stretch out to Jesus? What is your crutch that you've allowed to identify you so that you've become known as the guy with that or the girl with that? What is it in your life that you need to bring into the light so that God can do a miracle in you and through you. It's time to stretch out your hand. But here's the thing, you have to want it. You've gotta want it. Cause see, most people know when they aren't living God's best for their life. Most people know. But then the thing is, they've become so comfortable in the weakness, they've become so comfortable in the brokenness, that stepping out of it, yeah, I don't know if I really want that, right? Happens all the time. I've been in ministry for just over four years, but already I've had so many conversations of people saying they want prayer, saying they want healing, but when it actually comes down to it, they don't really want it because they're comfortable in their brokenness. Maybe you don't believe me, but a couple years ago, I had a young female come into church and after the service, she asked me to pray for her and so I did. and. Then she asked if we could catch up during the week to to talk more about what was going on, to receive some extra ministry, and I said, absolutely, of course. And So I met with this young lady just outside in our cafe. At the time, I think she was in her mid to late 20s, and I got to know her story a bit, and I found out that she was actually suffering from this brain disease. And it had gotten so bad that she had to drop out of uni she had to quit her job because she couldn't focus it. It was just, it was wrecking her life and she was living with her parents, living on the benefit and she wanted me to pray for her. And I said, absolutely, I can pray for you. And then I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit say, she actually doesn't want the healing. I was like, what? Why, why, why are we praying then? And so I can be a bit straight up sometimes and so I said to her, I said, I said to her, I said, um, I'm gonna pray for you, but before I do that, let me ask you a question. See, hypothetically, if God could heal you right now, if God could take away this brain disease right now and you could go back to uni and continue pursuing that dream and you could go back and get your job and one day you could move out of your parents' house and you could get a job and you could have a family and provide for them, hypothetically, if God could heal you right now in this moment, would you want it? You know what she said to me? She goes, I don't know, I'm pretty comfortable. I was like, what am am I doing here? Um, But she said, "I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable? Pretty comfortable being limited in your entire life? Pretty comfortable having your dreams cut short? Pretty comfortable being known as the girl with the brain disease? Pretty comfortable just living in your parents' house for the rest of your life? Pretty comfortable? If God could heal you right now, would you want it? If God could give you freedom right now, would you take it? This happens all the time. Another time after I preached, a a woman came to the altar call, another young lady, and I found out through this conversation that she was actually a prostitute. Her friends, her family, and her boyfriend had no idea. It was a complete double life. And so I met up with her throughout the week, and I wanted to get to know her story. I wanted to find out how she ended up in the sex industry how she ended up working this job and also see how I could help get her out because she said that she wanted out. She said that she didn't wanna live this life anymore. She said that she didn't wanna go back and just be defined and being limited by what she was doing even though she found herself in it. And so through this conversation again, I felt to nudge saying she doesn't actually want out. I'm like, what, what? And so we, we started going through this conversation and I started asking questions saying, what if I help you with your CV? What if we apply for some other jobs? Like I was willing to help this girl in any way. I wanted to get her a mentor, I wanted to help get her out of the sex industry to live a better life, because she was saying she wanted it. But it didn't matter whatever job I suggested, whatever solution I suggested, if it wasn't comparable to the pay she was making as a sex worker, she wasn't willing to give it a go. Story after story after story, I could tell you of people saying they want prayer, saying they want help, saying they wanna talk, but the reality is they just wanna talk about their issue. They don't actually wanna step out and make a step of faith to actually reach out to the one who could actually solve it. Too many people just wanna talk about it and not stretch out to their hand to the one that could actually help them. You know the reason this man stretched out his withered hand was not because he wanted some pity from the crowd that surrounded him, It wasn't because he wanted a financial handout from a couple donors in the room. It wasn't because he wanted to continue to be known as the man with the withered hand. It was because he stood in front of the very one that could help him. He stood in front of the very one that could offer him healing, that could offer him hope, that could offer him a brand new identity. And he was willing to get uncomfortable in front of those critics, in front of those naysayers, and step out in that room so that Jesus could restore him. He stepped out because he wanted a new life. He wanted a new identity and he was willing to let go of his crutch so that he could experience that fullness that God was offering him. And I don't know what your crutch is. I don't know what you've allowed to become a part of your identity that shouldn't be. I don't know what brokenness you're resting in, but you do. And my question for you is this. Hypothetically, if God could heal you right now, would you want it? Hypothetically, if God could bring you out of poverty right now, would you take it? Hypothetically, if God could bring you out of that situation, if he could bring you out of that relationship, if he could bring you freedom and wholeness and forgiveness, would you want it? Because you've got to want it. You know, I find it interesting that the act of stretching out your hand is recognized all over the world. All over the world, no matter where you go, no matter what language you speak, people will understand your hand gestures. Think about it. When I stretch out my hand like this, it's saying, hey, I need you. Help, I need you. It's the kid reaching out to their parents. It's reaching out for a taxi on the side of the road. It's signaling the flight attendant for more snacks because you've been on the plane for so long, right? Every time you do this, it's saying, hey, I need you. And then there's this. It says, I wanna know you. Hand stretched out, palm facing the side. It says, hey, I wanna introduce myself to you. It's businessmen making a deal every time a hand is stretched out with the palm to the side. It's introductions being made and the the promise of potentially working together or journeying together in some way. And then there's this, palm facing up. says, I expect something from you. It's the cashier at the supermarket waiting for you to pay for your groceries. It's your kid or your partner or your friend waiting for you to pull cash out your wallet, right? It's the beggar on the side of the road. Every single time you reach out your hand with your palm facing up, you're saying, I expect to receive something from you. Isn't it interesting that no matter where you go, no matter what language you speak, you can communicate when you need something, when you want to know somebody, and when you expect something from them. And this series of gestures, I actually think, represents our walk with God in a number of ways. You see, a lot of people, they get this one. They understand what it means to reach out in desperation because we all know that we're searching for something. We're all searching for purpose and for identity from a very young age, and so we reach out constantly. But too many people allow themselves to stay in this position because when God tries to pull you out of it, oh, but I've become comfortable here See, I've become comfortable talking about it, but, but you're asking me to walk out of it? Ooh, I don't know if I can do that yet. God's saying, I wanna know you, and that means walking on a journey with you and pulling you out with faith step after faith step after faith step. Even when finances are unknown, even when destinations are unknown, it means walking with him, but too many people stay here and put the walls back up and they allow that person that was gonna help to pass by and they wait for the next person to talk to. Too many people find themselves in this position. and I find it funny. There's a story I heard once about this man that was trapped in some rising floodwaters. And the whole town was being flooded. And so this man decided to climb onto his roof to, to get to safety. And he was praying to God to save him. And a little while later, his neighbor comes by in a canoe and says, hey, neighbor, hop in my canoe. I'll row us to safety. And he says, no, thanks. I have prayed to God and he's gonna save me. So the neighbor leaves. Then a little while later, a police boat comes by and the police shout out to him, hey, the waters are rising fast. Get in our boat. We'll take you to safety. He says, no thanks. I've prayed to God. He's gonna save me. And then a little while later, a rescue services helicopter hovers over his house and they throw the rope ladder down and they're like, yo, the water's almost over your house. Grab on. We'll fly you to safety. He goes, no thanks. God's gonna save me. And then the floodwaters rise. They cover the house. They rise up his legs and he drowns. Tragic death. And he finds himself in heaven. And he demands to see God. And he says, God, I prayed to you to save me. I prayed to you to save me from that flood. Why am I here in heaven with you? And you know what God said to him? God said, yes, you idiot. I sent you a canoe, a boat, and a helicopter, but you never got in. You never got in. In, You never got in. I sent you help after help after help, and you never got in. I sent you person after person after person, and you never accepted their hand. I sent you help after help after help, and you never got in. Too many people stay in this position for their entire life using the excuse of, yeah, I'll pray about it. God's gonna help me. But yet when God sends you the help that you need, Because it doesn't look like what you expected it to look like, too often we refuse it, and we stay here, and we find ourselves living our whole life in this position. I got one final story for you, and the band can join me now. Have you ever heard of Elisha the prophet? Or how he became a prophet? See, it all started with a man named Elijah. Confusing, right? Elijah and Elisha. So, When the prophet Elijah found Elisha plowing his oxen in the field, Elijah walked over to him and threw his cloak around Elisha's shoulders, around this young man's shoulders. And his cloak also represented a mantle. It represented the calling of God on his life. It was an invitation to join the service of the prophet. It was also kind of like adoption. And so when he threw his cloak around this young man's shoulders, it was pretty significant and pretty symbolic. And you know how Elisha responded? He looked at this mantle on his life, on his shoulders, and he looked at Elijah continuing to walk down the road, and he ran after him saying, hey, let me say goodbye to my family, and I'm coming with you. And he went with him, but too often, we do this. We see the mantle thrown on our shoulders. We see the calling of God on our life, but we see how uncomfortable it might make us. We see that it's gonna require us to leave everything we've ever known, and we go back to plowing our oxen. And then we complain. We say, God, what's my calling? God, what's my purpose? God, why aren't you talking to me? And God's like, look, I put that mantle on your life years ago. I put that calling on your life years ago, and you recognized it when I did, but you ignored it because it wasn't what you thought. It sent you to a place that wasn't what you expected. It meant you had to talk to people that you didn't really wanna to talk to, see that calling that I put on your life, it's been there the whole time, but it requires you to step out and journey with me. See, Elisha, he went with Elijah, and the introductions were made, the mentorship began, and he learned everything he could from Elijah. And it got to the point where this was Elijah's final day, and he was gonna be taken up in a whirlwind by God, which is a pretty legit way to go, right? Just taken up in a whirlwind. And so Elisha knew this, God had told him. And so every time that Elijah told Elisha, hey, you stay here, I'm gonna keep going, Elisha said, nope, I'm not missing this. And he kept going with him. And he wouldn't leave his side. And it got to the point where Elijah's about to go and Elisha makes one final request. And he says that he wants to receive a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He was expectant to receive. He was expectant to receive. And scriptures actually record that there were 14 miracles done through the life of Elijah. But when Elisha stepped into ministry, we read about 28, double portion. See, it's the whole journey of I need you, I'm going with you, and now that I know you, I can expect to receive from you. I need you, I'm going with you, I expect to receive from you. This is our journey with God. This is God saying, stretch out your hand, not just in desperation, not just to to talk about it once, but to journey. You've gotta move from this position to this position and walk with God, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it requires you to get out of your comfort zone, to get away from everything you've ever known, to get away from that field of oxen that you were plowing and step into the mantle that is placed on your life. And when you actually learn to know God's character, then you can stand there and say, God, yeah, I expect to receive from you because I know you and I know your heart and I know your character and I know that you want blessing and provision to be poured out on your children. And so church, as I close tonight, I just wanna pray for y'all. And I wanna pray for two groups of people. But the first is this, If this message is spoken to you in any way, if you know that you need to get a little bit more bold in your faith, then I want you to position yourself right now in a posture of expectation. Maybe you wanna stand, maybe you wanna put out your hands, stretch out your hands, maybe you wanna kneel, whatever it is, if you know that you need to step forward in faith, then stretch out your hands right now as I pray. God, I just thank you so much for every single individual in this room that has arms stretched out to you, for those that are standing, for those whose hearts are beating fast because they're actually realizing that the mantle is already on them. God, I pray that you would speak so clearly right now that you would touch every single heart, that you would grab their hand and just walk with them step by step as they journey this life with you God, would you pour out a double portion on them? God, I pray that you would give them the boldness, the courage, the strength, and the audacity to go after everything that it is that you've got for them. We stand here with stretched hands and we thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I wanna pray for one last group of people. And this is a group of people that has never actually started the journey with God. They, they've come close. Or maybe they were there once, but they walked away and they backed out of church and maybe you're back again. Or maybe this is your first time. If you've never started a relationship with God, I wanna give you a moment right now to do that. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, just out of courtesy for the people around you, Because when you're in a crowd of people, sometimes it's easy to think that this message, that the speaker is speaking to somebody else, but no, I'm speaking to you. In a crowded room, this is an individual question. Right now, you have an opportunity to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Right now, you have an opportunity to grab God's hand and to say, God, I don't know what all of this is gonna hold for me. I don't know what my future is gonna look like, but I know my future is better with you. I know that I could live my best with you. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to stretch out your hand. I'm the only one that's gonna see it, just me and God. One, God loves you, and yes, he has a plan for your life. Two, this is your moment, not your friend's not your brothers, not your moms, this is your moment. Three, stretch out your hand if you wanna have a relationship with Jesus, amazing. I see those hands right here in the middle. I see that hand at the back, amazing. I see that both hands at the back, amazing. God loves you, God sees you. He sees that hand stretched out. I see that hand in the middle. God, is there anybody else? I see that hand on the left. Is there anybody else saying, yeah, that's me, I need to know God. I wanna know him, I wanna walk with him, I wanna journey with him, last moment. Awesome, awesome. If you raise your hand, see that hand in the middle, amazing. You can put your hands down now as I pray for you. And I'm gonna say a prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me in your heart. And say, dear Jesus, I come to you now as a sinner in need of your grace. I've been walking this journey on my own, fighting battles on my own, doing it all in my own strength. But God, I know that I need you. And I don't just wanna talk about it. I wanna walk with you when it's uncomfortable, when other people don't understand it. I wanna journey with you. I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Everything I have is yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we please congratulate every single person that raised their hand? Do you realize that When somebody makes that decision and multiple people made that decision tonight, there is a party going on in heaven and the angels are celebrating because so many people have been reunited with their father and that is worth celebrating. So good. Come on, one more time, can we congratulate those people that lifted their hand up, that's amazing. Best decision of your life. Come on, look, I want to ask every single person to grab the Orange Connect card. It should have been on your seat when you came in, most likely now on the floor, but you can find